And I've always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Jesus' doctrine was always something out in the open. It wasn't something hidden. He wasn't trying to gather a movement on the sly. He is and was and is the embodiment of truth and of the truth of God. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Annas wanted to know about Jesus' disciples, perhaps because of fear or jealousy. Then he wanted to know about his doctrine, what Jesus taught that might be of concern to the religious establishment. Jesus told Annas that he didn't have a secret doctrine or teaching that could be revealed under interrogation. His teaching was open in synagogues and in the temple. Jesus could even say, in secret, I have said nothing. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. Again, this is in that upper room during that Passover meal. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Ooh. I would hate to hear that. Not one of the demons, but the big guy himself. (laughs) Satan has desired to sift you. But I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you have denied me three times that you even knew me. Peter didn't know himself. I don't know myself. Do you know yourself? Maybe you know yourself better than I do. But I'm finding as I get older in the Lord and as I walk with Him that I'm I'm finding that I really don't know who I really am. I really don't know who I really am until situations and uh, things happen in my life. And then I see how I respond and I find out who I really am. Am I a coward or am I really walking in faith and trusting in Jesus? And the Lord has a way of making that known. And He often does it to me privately and I'm really thankful for that because then... I can go back and get my face on the ground and pray for forgiveness and for strength, right? But notice in John 13, again, in that upper room, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus says, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And how did Jesus know that Peter would deny him? Because in his deity, Jesus is omniscient. 
He knows all things. Omni, science, omniscient. It means I know all things. He knows all things. He's also omnipresent. He is all places at once by his spirit. He can be, he's right now, he's in the Ukraine. He's seeing everything that's going on and yet he knows the details and the thoughts of our hearts as we sit here this morning. And he's also omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. There's no power outside of him. And those three attributes, he alone has. No other being has them. Satan is not omnipotent. He's certainly not omniscient. And he's not omnipresent. But God is. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that Satan is, can't be in one place. He can't be in more than one place at once. He can't. And I'm really glad. But your heavenly father has got you covered. What kind of insurance company is that? He's got you covered. That'd be a good insurance company to have. (laughs) And you do have that. But notice in verse 17, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Notice how she framed the question in the negative. Isn't it true that we can manipulate people? We can, we can manipulate how people answer by how we phrase the question. And I wonder what would happen if the, if the young girl says, Are you, do you know him? But the way she phrases it, and how, do, how was it? You're not also one of those, are you? And Peter buckles. A momentary lapse of courage, of strength. But this is Peter's first denial. And we're going to see that Peter is going to deny the Lord three times. Certainly the servant girl that we just looked at. And we're just going to look at a couple of these. And we're going to sum these up, um, these three denials, in two passages. The, in the first uh, bullet there, and Mark 14, verse 66. And then we'll go down to John 18. And, and we can see exactly what happened. And Mark chapter 14, it says this, that as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also are with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out to the porch, and a rooster crowed. And then the servant girl saw him again, and either the same servant girl or another, uh, perhaps, began to say to him uh, who stood by, This is one of them. And so he's first encountered by two young girls, and he caves. And you know, before I would you know, think of myself anything, it's very possible that I would have caved too. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't under the certain circumstances that he was under. But I don't have very much confidence in my flesh anymore. I try not to anyway. But in John chapter 18, verse 26, says, One of the servants of the high priest, notice a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, didn't I, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied it, and the, and the rooster crowed. And think of how difficult this was. Now the servants, verse 18, back in our text, the servants and the officers who made a a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And I think there's a, not, not to make a big deal of this, but I think it's important that we as Christians, that we don't find ourselves warming our hands at the fires of the enemies of Christ. Organizations and groups 
that are opposed to Christ, that are atheistic, that are opposed to Christ. There are many of them today. And yet some Christians ally themselves with these groups. And why would you do such a thing? Why would you align yourself with a group or an organization, a party of any kind, that has shown itself to be antagonistic to the truth of Jesus Christ? And everybody's guilty. Everybody is guilty of that. But a true Christian should never be complicit and warm their hands at the fires of the enemy, feeling comfortable with them. Are you on God's side or the world's side? We need to make our calling and our election sure today. Who and why are we supporting what we support? Do we even know what the organization stands for? You know, it'd be like the, the, the insanity of a Christian, you know, um, funding Planned Parenthood. Why would you do that? When they're responsible for the killings of millions, the murders of millions of babies in a year. Hundreds of thousands, actually. Pretty sad, isn't it? But notice in verse 19, so now Jesus is going to be questioned by the high priest. And it says, the high priest, and this is Annas, by the way, then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. And, and, and I've got to be careful here. So even the tone of which I'm speaking, do you understand? I'm a little bit um, feeling a little bit of intrepidation in how I say Jesus' words. I would love to hear his inflection because that could probably change things. So I've got to be careful here. But notice what Jesus said to him. He says, I spoke openly to the world. And I've always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Jesus' doctrine was always something out in the open. It wasn't something hidden. He wasn't trying to gather a movement on the sly. He is and was and is the embodiment of truth and of the truth of God. And so verse 21, he says, why, why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I have said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Isn't that amazing? The guy who purports to be the head honcho there in Jerusalem, Annas, he has one of his subordinates slap Jesus, the Son of God, the one who formed this man in, in the womb. I would say that's a pretty big deal. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I've said to them. Indeed, you know what I've said. And, and so he gets slapped by uh, the high priest or the high priest's servant. And verse 23, Jesus answered, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? And Paul knew this very thing because we know that in Acts chapter 23, we're not going to go there, but he was actually uh, smacked by the high priest's servant as well. And Paul lost his nerve a little bit and he says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> Notice Jesus didn't lose his cool, but, he, uh, but Paul did. But then once he realized that it was the high priest that he was referring to, or that that's who he was standing before, he apologized and, and ate the humble pie at that point. And I love that because that just shows the humanity of the Apostle Paul. 
Jesus, you know, he got smacked. He got crucified. There's never a curse word that came out of his mouth. Nothing to defend his own self. Amazing thing. Amazing thing. He willingly laid down his life for us. Hallelujah. Because he loves us. Love the love of God, don't you? Be raptured by the love of God. Let it just take you. Let yourself be loved by God. Some people don't want to be loved by God. Always too far out there, indifferent and impersonal and somewhere out there. And someday maybe I'll meet him. No, he's with you. He is Emmanuel. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. He's with you in in his spirit. And hopefully he's indwelling every one of us. And it's there for the asking for anyone who does want to be indwelt. So verse 24, Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So now um, Annas is the high priest, but also Caiaphas, the high priest, right? Caiaphas is really the figurehead, although Annas was really the, the old guard, if you will. But now he's been deposed by the Romans, and his son-in-law, Caiaphas, is now in his role, and he has a little more clout now, more than Annas does. And so notice in verse 25, Now Peter stood and warmed himself, and therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? You see how they, the, the, the question is in the negative, and, and it almost begs a negative response. No, I'm not. I'm not one of his. Are you, are you not one of his disciples? He denied it, and he said, I'm not. And verse 26, One of the servants of the high priest, a relative, notice, of those whose ear Peter cut off, said, Didn't I not see you in the garden? This final denial was probably the worst because Peter is looking at the man who saw him in the garden earlier and this man was a relative of Malchus, a relative of the man that Peter cut the ear off of. And so this relative is looking and going, hey, aren't you the, aren't you the fool that took out the sword and cut my, my relative's ear off? Not me. Not me. I didn't do it. Can you imagine the pressure you would, you would feel? Because now he's in, he's, he's in there right now. They could arrest him now if they so chose to. So Peter then denied again, verse 27, and immediately the rooster crowed, fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus in John chapter thirteen thirty-eight. Most assuredly, before the rooster will crow, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so now, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. And it was early in the morning, but they they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, that they might not eat the Passover. So they wanted Jesus dead, but they really didn't want to go through the proceedings because it would defile them. Then they couldn't eat the Passover meal. That's horrible. They couldn't eat the meal. The praetorium, or the judgment hall as it's called, was in Herod's palace. And this is where Pilate resided. And again, notice the movement of the trials. We've already looked at the first one, Jesus before Annas. And so he, um, we're not going to look at the other two trials here, number two and number three. Um, we're going to get right into the, the civil trials. And we're already in the midst of uh, this one where he's standing before Pilate. 
And it says in verse 29 here, back in our text, so this is the first time that Jesus would stand before Pilate. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Notice, they didn't have an accusation. He had already been through this religious trial, three different trials already, and they they happened very quickly. And by the time he gets to Pilate, Pilate's going, why is this man even here? And he couldn't get an answer. Some say one thing, another th- say another, and so there's a lot of confusion because there's no real trial. They know in their hearts they've got nothing against him, but yet it didn't keep them from accusing him. Does that sound familiar? So Pilate went out, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Well, that's nice, but what did he do? And then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. And therefore the Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. And when they said this, We don't have the authority to put this man to death. Pilate's going, Then he must have done something worthy of death. If that's what you're saying, then please enlighten me. Please enlighten me. And the Jews at this time were stripped of their authority to implement capital punishment. Their capital punishment was stoning to death, but they, when the Romans took over, they weren't able to implement capital punishment. Only the Romans were able to do that for those who were worthy of it. But Jesus wasn't going to be stoned to death. He knew very well what was going to happen, that he would be crucified. And what's really interesting about this is that it fulfilled a prophecy about a thousand years prior to this in Psalm 22. David wrote it, and he says, For dogs have surrounded me. And and David is actually prophesying of what would happen to Jesus a thousand years in the future when he wrote it. And he's He's describing a, something that would happen that hadn't even been invented yet. Because crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. The Romans didn't invent crucifixion. It was the Persians. But notice, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and they stare at me. And they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. That is exactly what happened. But they pierced his hands and his feet? Yes. It's called crucifixion. It hadn't even been invented yet. And yet, David, through the Spirit, is prophesying what would happen to Jesus. So, verse 33, So Pilate entered the praetorium again, and he called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking this for yourself? Or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus says, You rightly say that I am. And then Pilate says, What is truth? What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no fault in this man at all. And this is the question that colleges and universities are still searching for. What is truth? This question is what the postmodern generation continually asks. What is truth? And yet, the embodiment of truth has already been here. And the truth is in our hands this morning in the Word of God. 
That is the truth. And we know, we know the truth, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And he also said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus and his word. He is the word of God, and this is also the word of God. And they are the truth to us. The search is over. You don't need to go looking for some truth in the, in, in, in the far east uh, under some you know, lotus tree you know, in, the, in the lotus position with your knees and your legs crossed and you know, fixating on a vowel or something. You don't have to do any of that. The truth is Jesus and his word. Do you know the truth? Between verse 38 and 39, chronologically, you might want to write in, right between verse 38 and 39, write this reference. It's Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. And this is where he went to Herod Antipas. In in fact, so this um, Jesus before Herod. So now that Pilate can't figure out, he's kind of befuddled on what to do with Jesus. He heard that Herod was in town, so he sends Jesus to Herod, and it tells us in Luke 23, let me read it to you. It says, When Pilate heard of Galilee, that Jesus was of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. In other words, he wanted to be entertained. Hey, Jesus, could you take this this bird that's in my hand and turn it into a gold statue? Can you take this this bowl and turn it into a bowl of jello? And of course, Jesus could have turned it into a filet mignon if he wanted to, still steaming with mashed potatoes. But he didn't, because that's not what he was about. And so, beginning now in verse 39, this is really the second time that Jesus appeared before Pilate. The second time, or um, line item 6 here on the screen. This was the second time, and this is going to take us all the way into chapter 19 to verse 16. This final episode of Jesus' trial. Certainly he's been like a hot potato all, all around, and now he's before Pilate the very last time. And it says in verse 39, But you have a custom, Pilate says, that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And when they all cried, then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now Barabbas was a true criminal. But Jesus was not a criminal. In fact, he was the only one in the entire world who had not sinned. He was the only one perfect on the earth. And you would think that there'd be something about him. You know, have you thought about that? As perfect and wonderful as Jesus is, yet his glory was veiled while he was in his physical structure on the earth. Can you imagine? He he looked very plain. Isaiah tells us there's no form, there's no comeliness that we should desire him. He was so plain looking that he had to be pointed out by Judas. He was so plain and ordinary. That was, you know, he didn't have flowing blonde hair and look like, you know, somebody. Barry Gibb. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Staying alive. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.